Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Welcome to Sagemont. Welcome those of you that join us on the internet right now. Wherever you might be, we're so grateful for those of you that have contacted us by email, by phone, by letter, and even some that have stopped by Sagemont when you came to Houston. And we welcome you again today. It is always thrilling to get together on Sunday and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It is so exciting when we have an opportunity to hear what we know to be truth without error. Not the words of the preacher, but the words of the Bible, God's holy word. It is interesting today that we spend so much time in the word of God and yet so little time talking about the rest of the story. Most of our songs that we sing, most books that are written, religious books, have to do with that which Christians enjoy hearing. And we are blessed by those awesome presentations of the truth as found in the scripture. However, you would be very hard pressed today to go on television, those of you that watch on television, and find very many sermons on the subject of the morning. We have had a good time talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. We enjoy speaking about once saved, always saved. We enjoy sermons that speak about the holiness of God, the mercy of God. We love to sing about the grace of God. We're always excited when Easter comes and the building is filled and more people go to church that day than any other day because Jesus is risen from the grave. But I would ask you to think back in your mind as I bring this message from Luke chapter 16. And if you're here in the auditorium, I ask you to turn to the text. I'm going to read to you a story in a moment. I want you to know it's a real story about real people written in a real place about a real situation. This is not hypothetical jargon, but it is a real story. And I want to call your attention today to something that I must not, I must not forsake my call as a minister of the gospel to tell you what I'm going to tell you today. Because you see, it is a duty of every Bible teacher and every Bible preacher, and I would even say every Bible believer, to warn those that know not Jesus what the end times will be like. When God deals with those who have rejected him, when he has to come face to face with those who will have to look at God the Father and say to them, your only son was not worthy of my worship and praise and adoration, nor was he worthy, nor did I even believe or want him to forgive me of my sins and pay for my sins. And when that day comes 
And the Bible speaks more about it than heaven, may I add, that the day will come when every person will have an opportunity to see God, either as Savior or as judge. When we go about today in this world, we are so, I hate to use the word funny, it's not ha-ha funny, but it is strange. We like to see people that do wrong, we feel like they ought to pay for it. Children need spanking sometimes, whether you believe it or not, the Bible says they do. We expect people that break into our homes, that molest our children or do those kind of things to pay for it. But the same people believe that God will never bring us into judgment because he is a God of love. You haven't read all the Bible. He's a God of judgment. He is Lord. He has said, you will have no other God before me, individually or as a nation. What about those that sin against a holy God? What about those that say, well, I believe everybody's going to go to heaven. It'll just be that we'll live in different size houses and in different subdivisions. But I'm used to that because that's the way it was here. Where do you get that stuff from? God said, I have no pleasure in the death of my... God said, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He has no pleasure in what I'm going to talk about. He's not hoping that one day he can say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. No, he said, I don't want any of you to perish, but I want all of you to come to repentance. But you must understand, holy God, my heavenly Father, will not tolerate sin. He will not let sin pass by. You will not be able to live your life in rebellion against God here on this earth and then expect God to just, well, he's a wonderful God and I just believe that everybody's going to go to heaven. And that old cliche, we're all going up different roads, we're just taking different paths. We're all going to the same place. And I will say to you before I preach this message that today a preacher who believes in hell and preaches on hell is a preacher to be ignored or at least disliked. That's the world. That's the reason you don't see it on television. That's the reason you don't see it in the books. That's the reason that you could visit a thousand churches today. And I doubt there'll be a single one of them be preaching on the subject that I'm going to talk to you about today. And you say, preacher, I don't want you to do that. I'm not accountable to you. I'm accountable to him. And he said, that's what I put you here for is to warn people everywhere. Whether they come into your presence or whether they come via technology, Warn people, it's appointed unto man once to die. If I were to ask you today, by, by an unsigned ballot, how many, how many of you believe that we're going to die one day? Wouldn't it be almost a unanimous vote? Some of you would question it, but wouldn't you say it would be a unanimous vote? Hebrews 9:27 said it's appointed unto man once to die. You say, I don't believe the Bible. You believe that part of the Bible? It is appointed unto man once to die? Well, you say, yeah, yeah, I believe that. Well, read the rest of the verse. And then the judgment. It is appointed unto man once to die. And then the judgment. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Listen to the story. In the 16th chapter of Luke, I'm going to let you remain seated so you'll stay with me and keep your undivided attention this way. 
I'm going to read to you from the 19th verse of the gospel according to Luke. This is a real story about a real situation. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen. He fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels unto Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Let me just stop long enough to tell you, they both died. The rich die, the poor die. The rich man died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus the beggar in his bosom. And he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he's comforted and you are tormented. And beside all of this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. Listen to this. Before I read this, I want you to listen to this about your family about those, your friends, you say, well, if I go to hell, all my friends are going with me. I want you to hear what he said. Listen to this very closely. He said, if you can't come to me, listen to verse 27, I pray you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this horrible place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Strong, clear, simple story. There is a heaven to gain. There is a hell to shun. I want to talk to you about the everlasting home of the damned. The sinner that refuses to repent. The sinner that is no different than the saved sinner, except they've never, ever lowered their pride and with a willingness to say, I cannot save myself, I cannot redo my life, and I am not going to humble myself and become a child of God by grace through faith. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Jesus could weep over our city, Houston. He went out and he looked at a city, the holy city, Jerusalem, the place where the gospel had been presented. But he watched and the father knew and the son experienced the fact that most people get extremely angry when the preacher or the Bible teacher or a friend talks to them about hell. I would just simply ask you this morning, which would be your favorite doctor? 
A doctor that knows you have cancer and doesn't tell you and you die in your cancer? Or a doctor that knows you have cancer, tells you you have cancer and says, we've got a 100% cure for cancer and if you'll just give me five seconds, you can be made whole. Which is the wrong doctor and the bad doctor? Who is the preacher or the teacher that'll say, I don't care where you spend eternity. I'm more concerned that you give money and that you come and you attend and you just be a part of this happy, happy gathering. And I'm not going to tell you the truth. Which one is the one to be trusted and which one is the one to say, wait a minute, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you warn me? You, 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 you must be very, very self-centered that you don't care where I spend eternity. No person can pay for your sin except Jesus. Listen to the Old Testament. Psalm 9:17 says the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Amen. Daniel 12:2 and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some of them to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Matthew 25:46 in the New Testament and these shall go into everlasting punishment but the righteous to life eternal. Revelations 20:15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I want you to stay with me. I'm not going to say what I think at this moment. I want you to listen to more scripture. Could I just block out all the other authors if you cannot believe them and say, well, they were just human beings like me and I, they could have been misinterpreted or whatever. Listen to what Jesus said. Let me just take you to one gospel, the gospel of Matthew. Fifth chapter, Sermon on the Mount. I say to you, Jesus speaking, that whoever shall, shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. In the 29th verse of Matthew chapter 5, and if your right eye offend you, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is profitable for you that one of your members should perish and not that your whole body be cast into hell. 13th chapter of Matthew, verse 40. As therefore the tares are gathered together and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of the world. The sun shall send forth his angels. They'll gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity and shall cast them into a furnace of fire and they shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In the 49th verse of Matthew 13, so shall it be at the end of the of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from the just and cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 22, 13. Jesus still speaking. Then said the king to his servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 23, 33. You serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Matthew 25, 41, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And finally, the 46th verse of Matthew 25, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous, praise God, to life eternal. What is the difference? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What is the difference? Only one thing, the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. It is God's grace that saves you. It is not the church. It's not your stopping, damning God's name when you talk. 
and using this world's sin to satisfy you temporarily, but it's humbling yourself before God. But you must understand that God will do what he said he would do. He's never, ever said a word to any of us that he has not kept his word. What kind of place is hell? From the Bible, here's what I know. It's a, it, it's, listen, it is a place where we're separated from the presence of God. What would it be like for you to live this week in Houston and know that God was not even aware this place was here, nor did anybody else? What would it be like? You say, oh, I just want to be with mother. I want to be with my kids. I want to be with this. Wait a minute. What about being separated from God? Hell is a place where you're separated not only from God, but yes, you will be separated from God's people. You'll be separated from your loved ones. I must take you back one more time because I've heard it for all of my preaching ministry of how families that one after another die without Jesus and all of a sudden, well, the whole family's going to be there. I want you to hear the story. Hell was so bad that the word came from the rich man. If you can't come here and get me out of this place, I've got five brothers. They're back in the earth. I know they're, they're talking down at the bar about how, well, we'll all go drunk, get drunk in heaven. We'll all be together and we'll just have a, a great time. We'll take over the place. He says, please go tell them. I don't want them here. I do not want my family here. I want them to go and spend eternity with the Lord. Because you see, hell is a place of suffering. Revelations 20, 15 says it's a lake of fire. Isaiah 33, 14 says it is a devouring fire. You say, no, 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 preacher. No, it's not a real fire. It's not a literal fire. You know, I listened to Professor Know Nothing, and, and, and he has assured me that it's, that's figuratively speaking. Revelation 21 says it's a bottomless pit. Matthew 13, 41 says it's a furnace of fire. Luke 16, 23, it is a place of torment. Revelation 16, 11, it's a place where they curse God. Revelation 22, 10, it's a filthy place. Revelation 14, 11, it is a place of no rest. It's in Matthew 25, 46, it is a place of everlasting punishment. Jude 13, it is a place of darkness. Revelation 16 and 20, it's a place where they gnaw their tongues. Revelation 14, 11, it's a place where the smoke of their torment ascends forever and forever. Hell is a place of eternal suffering. The fire is not quenched. The worm dieth not. You say, well, what kind of hell is, uh, what kind of fire is it? We know this, it's a little bit different in it, it never burns out. That it is a perpetual fire. It never finally turns to ashes and then ashes turn back to dust. But the fire burns forever and forever and forever. And the words forever lost are on the tongues and the minds of all that are there. Hell is a place of vile associations. You move around here today. You say, my neighborhood, having problems in the neighborhood. I'm going to move out of the neighborhood. 
You want to see who your neighbor is going to be in hell? Read Revelation 21 and 8. The fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Even the liars that told you, you don't have to worry about hell. Just kind of put it in your, in your vocabulary, and the, and the first thing you know, people be talking about it's cold as hell. Now think about that. Now you're talking about ignorant profanity. Hell is a place where men, and I mean mankind, will reap from their sinful influence on other people. I'm going to speak to you very carefully and very lovingly, but very firmly. People know you and know you're a Christian. Have you cautioned? Have you warned them? Have you encouraged them? Not putting them down and tell them how bad they are, but tell them God's grace is sufficient. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. Does your neighbor know that they can be saved just like you? And they say, well, I'm just as good as you are. And yes, they are, but they're not as good as Jesus. We're not as good as Jesus. If you're going to get to heaven by your works, you've got to be like Jesus. You say, well, nobody's like Jesus. That's the reason I'm preaching to you about grace. Amen. That's the reason I want you to know that when you stand before God at the great white throne judgment in the 20th chapter of Revelation, just before this, this, the end of the book, at the great white throne, you will be judged of how you spent your time, your talents, and your substance, how you rejected an eternal, everlasting invitation to receive a gift of eternal life. And God said, I will break the chains in this earth. See, the reason so many people in this earth have zero control over what you do you can't keep from having an affair. You can't keep from using drugs. You cannot uh, keep from having your money taken away from you because sin is doing that and you cannot resist it because everybody is doing it. But you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. You can say yes to your wife and no to your girlfriend. You can say yes to healthy things and no to things that tear your body apart. You can say yes to your family and no to the gods of this world. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to join the church. But you got to be saved by grace through faith. Can you not understand that? The church is not after your money. Oh, there may be some preachers after your money. But the New Testament church is not after your money. They came and was put here to tell you that, that salvation is free. And the price has been paid. Hell will be a place of memory. He remembered back on earth. He remembered the opportunities he had to be saved. He remembered his five brothers there that probably looked up to him and said to them, don't come here where big brother came. I'm sorry for the example I've set, but we live by people every day. Many of you will be by, peop by people tomorrow that won't be around preachers maybe the rest of their life. They're going to do everything they can to avoid them. Preacher walks in a room, they walk out. If a preacher comes on the TV, they turn it back to real life or real something else, you know. Well, 
It's going to be a place of memory. Anytime anybody asks you to be saved, asks you to consider receiving your gift, you're going to remember. You're going to remember if you had a godly mother every time you heard her pray for you. Any concerned friend, let me tell you something. Those of you that are watching on television, I want you to listen to me. When somebody comes up in love and tells you, would you let me tell you how you can be forgiven, how you can be born again? Don't you tell them where to go. They don't have to come. Nobody's paying them to come. They just care about where you spend eternity. But today we are so caught up. We now have Christian people. I say this over and over again because it's absolutely a plague. We have Christians today that evidently don't care where their friends spend eternity because they've marked out ever talking about the love of God to anybody that plays golf with them, fishes with them, their neighbor, their friend, or goes to the grocery store with them, or anything else. I'm not going to talk about that. You know what you're saying? I don't care where you spend eternity. You know, me and my family going to heaven, y'all go where you want to. That's not what Jesus did. God could have said that in heaven and said, y'all just do whatever you want to, but he gave his only begotten son to come and die on the cross. That's how much he loved you. He put a cross right in front of you and said, narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life, and few there are as find it. Broad is the way that leads to eternal destruction. How narrow is it? You can't go around the cross and get to heaven. That's how narrow it is. With a 6 inch, 8 inch, 12 inch cross, you can't get around the cross. Well, who goes to hell? Lost sinners. Unbelievers, rejecters of Jesus. Anyone or all three? Let me say it again. Who goes to hell? Lost sinners. If all sinners go to hell, all would go to hell. Lost sinners. Those that have never been born again. Those that are unbelievers. And those that reject Jesus. When does hell begin? The Bible teaches that conscious suffering of the soul begins the moment we die. I talked to you last week on heaven. Some of you already told me, I got a story I want to tell you. You had a near-death experience. You've talked about the peace, the, the, the light, those things. But conscious suffering of the soul will begin. And then... According to Revelations chapter 20, there is a very, very clear presentation of how that those that reject the Lord Jesus Christ are going to have to appear at the great white throne. And at that time, Verse 11 of the 20th chapter. I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it. From whose face the earth and the heavens fled away and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead small and great, John says, stand before God and the books were opened. And another book was opened which was the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to to their works and the sea gave up the dead which were in them and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them and they were judged every man according to their works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire that's the second death and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire I'm going to preach a sermon later on the two judgments the judgment seat of Christ is for Christians 
those that are saved, not to determine where you're going to spend eternity, but their rewards in heaven. The, judgment, the, the great white throne judgment is a judgment. Is your name written in the book? Is your name written in the book? How do you get it written in the book? You're asked to put it there. You're asked to put it there. How do you escape sin? I mean, how do you escape hell? You turn from your sin. That's called repentance. And you turn to Jesus for the cleansing blood. Many, many years ago, I read where Billy Sunday said, if I can get anybody to think about hell for five minutes, they won't go there. He was a predecessor to Billy Graham. I read in another wonderful book about a description of heaven, of, of eternity. Heaven and hell. Because you'll decide where you spend it. Jesus died for you, friend. He died for you. I don't care what you've done. He died for you. He can pay the fine. He can, he can forgive the past and forget about the past. So don't think you're too tough. But I want you to think as I close how long eternity must be. The story is this. If God let a little bird the size of a hummingbird be born and gave it long life. And that little bird was given the instructions to pick up planet Earth and take it out into space 10 million miles and deposit it. And then come back to this Earth and pick up another big fool and take it out there, deposit it, and come back and can make a round trip every 10,000 years. If that little bird was allowed to live that long, when that bird had moved planet Earth out into eternity 10, mile, 10 million miles away, made a round trip every 10,000 years, when that bird had moved planet Earth out into space and then returned and brought it back to space and put it where it is, when that was finished, it would be sunrise in eternity. You can't comprehend it, can we? It's forever and forever and forever and forever. My dear friend, you can be forever and forever and forever saved. Or you can be forever and forever and forever lost. Where did you come up with the fact there is no heaven to gain and no hell to shine? Who has convinced you? Where's the proof? Where's the proof? Here's the one thing I do know. I do, that, I do know that most of you that don't know Jesus as your Savior are not having a very good run in this life. You've had problems with your health because of sin, your marriages because of sin, your friendships with others because of sin. You've had problems with your finances because of sin. You have had all kinds of problems in this life. It's just been the way it is. Sleepless nights, need a lot of psychiatric help, need a lot of medical attention, need a lot of entertainment because you just can't make it. You know, thank God it's Friday. You never learn the joy of working on your mission field wherever God's put you and bringing people to Jesus Christ. You've never experienced it. I'll tell you one thing. If those that believe in heaven, if there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, if we're wrong, we're still better off than, than those that don't. I don't know about you. I'm having a good time. I mean, I just can't wait till tomorrow. Live or die, I could care. If I'm absent with the body, I'm, I'm, you know, 
They say, well, aren't you worried about what's happening in America? No, I'm not worried one bit. I don't worship the flag of the United States as much as I love it. I worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I thank God for America. That for sure. But my dear friend, we're better off than you are, even if you're right. And if you're wrong, you've lost everything. You've had a horrible trip through this life, and now you've got an eternity without God and without hope. When you draw your last breath, my friend, I don't care what denomination you come from, there's no purgatory in the Bible. None, zero. A church came up with that. They said, go there and pay your way out and you can move on up. No, 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 no. When you die, when you draw your last breath, it's over. But if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, nobody can erase it because the blood cannot be erased. It covers a multitude of sin. Now, you've got to decide. You can go on playing this religious game or non-religious game. Somebody say, I'm so excited, I don't, I'm not afraid of nothing. You know, that's just a bunch of weaklings down there at the, at the church. No, it's people just like you that are going to die just like you and going to spend eternity somewhere just like you. But we choose to believe the book. Because the day I got saved, my life changed at seven years old. And the day you got saved, your life changed. And it has never returned to the old way. God can't take it away. But I can enjoy it not only now, but in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10, 9, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, and whosoever believeth shall not be ashamed. That's what salvation is. Sagemont Church doesn't have it. It's not this cross out here. As pretty as it is, that's to remind you of a place called Mount Calvary. That's where it was taken care of. Now, your play, your decision. I can't make it for you. You, you check the evidence. You look at the people you know that walk with God. I'm, I'm not talking about those that say, I'm, I'm a Christian, as if they're better than you. But those that humbly just walk with God and can say like Job, if he slays me, I'm going to trust him. You look, not at any of that. You just bow your head and close your eyes for just one moment now, and we're going to go. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you today let the Holy Spirit tell you what truth is? Where is the evidence that the devil's way is the best way? Whoever told you that the devil had been so good to them in their lifetime that they would, would encourage you to follow? Nobody, not even the devil said that. He knew better. All they've told you is, you got plenty of time. You got plenty of time. But when you see the news tonight, you'll see young people died in Houston today. Life is brief and soon will be past, and only what's done for Christ is going to last. We're going to open up the door to our connection center. It's a lobby that's located out here privately, off from the big lobby, back this way, behind the divine servant, this direction. If you're here today and you'd just say, I want to give my heart to Jesus, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. 
If you pray this prayer with me, I want you to go there when I dismiss you. Tell those precious people in there, a man or a lady, just go to them and say, I ask Jesus into my heart today. They want to give you something. They want to pray with you. So when we start to sing, I'm going to ask you to do that. But while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, here's a simple prayer. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know you love sinners. Dear God, I've made a lot of wrong decisions. And some I've already seen the consequences. Others, I'm yet to see it. But I know this, God. You must love me a lot to send your only son to be executed to pay the price for my sin. I thank you that Jesus rose from the grave. I thank you, Jesus, for your promise to come back and get me. But I'm asking you into my heart right now. I want to be born again. I want to be a follower of, of yours. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. And I want to trust you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.